Welcome to Can I Speak to Your Product Manager, the nitty gritty with your favorite PMs. I'm Kyle Kolich, Vice President of Product at Zora. And I'm Lucas Weber, Director of Product Management at Zora. On today's episode, we have Ben Ellison, Senior Director of Product Management at Sam's Club. And we're going to start off the show by uh, talking about Ben's recent Never Have I Ever moment, as well as his best tips and insights for being a successful PM in the ever-evolving business landscape. Thanks for joining us, Ben, uh, today. So each episode, we like to kick things off with a little game of Never Have I Ever. Never have I ever. Never have I ever. Never have I ever. So outside of work and your role, you probably get to do things that maybe you initially thought impossible. And no matter what, it magically turns out to work out. So we wanted to bring your experiences on the outside to the inside Tell us about one of those experiences. Give us your perspective as a PM. Uh, and in the process, uh, also allow us to get to know you a little bit better. So, Ben, uh, tell us a little bit about your Never Have I Ever. Absolutely. Thanks, Lucas. And thanks, guys, for having me. Um, yeah, my Never Have I Ever. I think uh, recently, uh, my biggest my biggest new endeavor has been picking up pickleball, which I, I feel like may not be our listeners' first time hearing about this. It is the craze that's sweeping the nation. Um, but as someone who grew up without any sort of background in racket sports, uh, it's been an interesting thing to pick up. So uh, that's been a, that's been a kind of a fun journey over the last month and a half for me. Uh, what what you know, got you into it, and what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm not one for understanding kind of how fads came about. Like when when uh, Beanie Babies were a thing and Pokemon were a thing, I just jumped in and did it. Um, I wasn't sure why those things were so big. So that's kind of been the same thing here with pickleball. Um, there's 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 benefits to it i think uh for people that like myself uh couldn't quite get the hang of tennis i I like to say that people either come down from tennis or they come up from ping pong and i was definitely one of those ones that was coming up from ping pong um it's it's nice to be able to walk onto the court and and pretty much anyone you grab can return a ball which is which again is different than tennis for me it makes for kind of a more fun game um but yeah i wouldn't even be able to, to delve into why people are into pickleball so badly right now that's awesome. Have you done any competitions yet? Because there are competitions. I haven't, in I haven't but I have. I think I said pickleball out loud in front of my phone. So I've been starting to get targeted with uh, more advertisements and videos about tournaments and, and new paddles I should be picking up as well. So um, may, maybe soon, maybe some sort of wide open US everyone goes thing we kind of want to go with. So tell us, speaking of equipment, um, you know, is it easy to get into? Is, is it expensive? What did you find? Yeah, it was interesting. So my, my journey actually was um, uh, my girlfriend and I were, were visiting um, in London. She's, she's actually from London. And we uh, went with one of her friends to play a game called Paddle, which is sort of like pickleball mixed with racquetball, but it's sort of their version of, of what's going crazy in, in Europe right now. Um, and you can imagine kind of a pickleball sized court. Um, it's enclosed with glass walls similar to sort of uh, racquetball and you can play off the wall. Um, they play with a tennis ball, but the paddle is, is uh, even harder to hit with. So everything is about the same speed as pickleball. Got it. Got it. So now you've had exposure to really two different games. Is, is paddle also something that's relatively a recent phenomenon in the in the UK? Or is that yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It, like you know, with movies that come out two by two, I think Bugs Life and Ants and um, the what was the that's right. the asteroid movie like movie yeah. everything comes out in pairs but this seems to be kind of that another phenomenon of that pickleball over here and paddle over there but it's it. they kind of they kind of like you said they can stem either from you know tennis 
players or ping pong players, and they all kind of morphed into this almost new product that came out of this. It's like a, you know, they, they you know, the tennis players probably got, you know, the knees hurt, a little hard to play, uh, missed the serve and volley game. And now you go to the ping pong players where, you know, it actually is pretty hard. I mean, I, I, I played ping pong the other day and I was drenched. So, you know, you can, you can kind of see that hey, this kind of fits a, a new persona, a persona who like those po- both sports, but maybe don't have the buy they used to and kind of worked out. Awesome. Excellent. So, uh, so pickleball, you've picked it up. What's the future look like for you? Well, Lucas, you're the one pushing me to go enter a tournament. So I might have to do that for you. But, uh, I think the first step is, is really getting, uh, getting the basics down. I think we, we went and bought these carbon fiber paddles, not the ones that are like 400, $300 or seeing it like a Dick sporting goods, but, um, more like a sort of $50 one offline. Um, we actually didn't really like them as much as the ones our, our friends were playing with, which were just the normal sort of wood ones that everyone sort of starts off with. Um, so we wouldn't actually got those. So at some point, we're probably going to have to graduate away, away from those when we start seeing uh, certain types of shots matter, things like that. I'm interested to see how long it lasts. I think I'm always kind of, whenever some new, new thing comes along, I'm always the one who wants to keep playing it for the longest. So I want to see how long everyone wants to keep playing with me. One of the things that I did hear about pickleball, uh, actually two things that, that came up in the in the press was, um, one, it was the fact that pickleball players were taking over tennis courts. And, and so there's some some upset there from from that um, uh, that group of folks. And then the last, the other, the second thing I heard was that it's really loud. Uh any thoughts on 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 those two uh, those two items from the news? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think taking a reverse order, they are definitely loud, um, and I feel like ownership as a pickleball person that I should be defending that it's not loud. But the reality, it's loud. Um, I was actually playing in a in a in a racquetball area to try and do some like practice hits, and I couldn't stay in there. It was so loud. Um, so there's that. De- yeah, there's definitely a piece of that. Um, that feels like something that paddle across the pond has figured out. The tennis racket combination over there is actually quite a bit quieter. So maybe maybe it's too late to turn the boat around on what we're using for pickleball, but um, there are some learnings across across the pond. Um, yeah, that kind of leads into the second segment we have because there's always innovation when you have these new products and being able to learn from other you know other groups and and make the product even better. So our second segment, uh, which we like to call innovation therapy and other wild tales. Um, so let's get in the nitty gritty, uh, the day-to-day stuff, what's happening in the world of PMs. So I'm going to give us a story about something you recently worked on at Sam's club that kind of might bring out some of that innovation and, and, uh, things you were working with. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, the best way to start this segment for views is just to say the word AI, right? We can just start off and work our way back from there. Um, no, so yeah, that one of the great things that um, I've been fortunate enough to work on at Sam's has been um, our inventory scanning robots. Um, we started off on this journey uh, quite a few years ago. We looked at um, doing crowdsourcing. We looked at um, different ways to gamify it. We looked at all sorts of technologies from RFID, RFID and Bluetooth and uh, automated forklifts. Um, we quickly went through sort of, I would call it, 11 to 12 things that had legs uh, and crossed them off the list. And what we came down to was an inventory scanning robot. And what that is doing for us is, is taking photos, 22 million per day across our chain. And it's allowing us to put products into the correct locations in our systems. It's telling us um, when products are out. It's telling us when prices are wrong. 
Um, it's giving us all the information that our, our members and our associates look to our systems to provide for them through their everyday job. So this is just automating cycle counts, right? If I remember, I was in in uh, supply chain at one point, and that was that was the, the name for it, right? Uh, automating those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have we have all all sorts of different ways that we're doing cycle counts. We have a annual inventory. We have uh, audits that we do throughout the year. Um, this technology is going to help us sort of do that much more efficiently with higher accuracy. So we're never trying to sell something that doesn't actually exist in the club. And and I'm, and I'm so, it's been around for for a little bit now. So are, are, is it building a like a big repository of data? So it's continuously getting better at this. So if the, if you ask the rover for Nutella, it'd be faster to get you the before where to find it or is it what, what how, how is that process working yeah i mean I've, yeah so it's a great kind of like how do, how do you use data in the best way possible for us this thing again start off as project nutella right and once we figured out where our product locations were it became all right now we have this fantastic platform in the club what else can we use it for and the answers have continued to file in on that right um, we've got people from different parts of the organization coming in asking us what we can do with this technology um, so it's all about what do we prioritize? What do we do first? Um, but to, to your question, Cal, like there's, there is definitely a repository of data that we would love, you know, again, I'm going to drop the word in there, AI, things like that to understand what, like how is, how are things behaving in clubs that we don't even know the right question to ask until, until the data tells that to us. So if I went to a Sam's club, would I see one of these? Yes, you would. Um, they're there in, in all 597 locations. Um, again, you'll have to you'll have to see if they've got the the scrubby name on there or the the teddy bear, but it'll be there. So this robot came out, um, and I'm assuming you you worked on it. Were there any specific uh, items and challenges that maybe you were you know particularly wrestling with or um, or needed to solve to to make this you know obviously wonderful innovation uh, come to life and, and provide outcomes? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's always going to be things you never thought of beforehand, right? Um, we came in and we said, oh, it'd be great if this this uh, scanning robot can give us pictures of everything on every shelf and just tell us where it is. Um, and then you get into it and you realize that certain packaging covers certain products or people leave the ketchup on the coffee. Um, you deal with all these use cases. And it's really on on the experience team, which for us is, you know, we have one person from the product team, one person from the ops team, UX, engineering, um, asset protection, depends what that project needs. We get together and we decide, okay, what do we actually need to go after here? Is it important for us to create a notification that tells the associate that that, that a ketchup bottle has been left there? Is that the most important thing we want to work on right now? Um, but yeah, of course, along the way, um, there's a lot of can-do attitude to get anything like this to, to work in the first place, for sure. And, and, you're, and the, the prioritization for that, does it there's some kind of ranking, like does the you know the the asset manager more important? How do you prioritize kind of those asks, and what do you what's your framework to help to, to determine what what do you want to look at? Yeah, I think um, prioritization is is uh, is the right tool. I, I think it's um, overbuilt as a, as a complicated process. For me, as long as everything gets onto the backlog, and you're having a question, a conversation that you see everything on the backlog, and what can we do next? I think those conversations, there's a good give and pull on our team and with any team that has, has been there and built that trust. Um, the prioritization framework is, is pretty simple, right? You want to get the most value across the most uh, most users as possible at any one time um, with you know some caveats there, there of this has to come before that or this has to come before, before that. But as long as you're not dealing with 
hey, asset protection or, you know, your engineering team is bringing in, hey, we need to get this tech debt done at this time or asset protection wants this audit launched at this time. As long as you're having a conversation about all the things you could be doing instead of the one off of should we do this or should we not do this, you're going to end up with a good outcome. Very nice. But uh, again, an an interesting point about diverse teams, right? Having uh, different folks with different views on the team, helping out uh, with, in this particular case, uh, prioritization, I'm sure design, right, Uh, et cetera. Uh, Excellent. Uh, Very good. Um, Anything else about this project that particularly uh, stands out for you in terms of, uh, you know, other things that that I think is kind of prototypical for product management um, that we should uh, think about or, or know about? Well, I think it's a it's a great shout out. I'm going to sort of plug the innovation over here at Sam's Club. Um, we're we're kind of we're an 84 billion dollar business, but we're the we're the little brother to Walmart, right? Um, and we we think of ourselves as this innovation hub, and that's sort of how we we build ourselves. That's how I arrived. I was told it was like, and I and I arrived with skepticism, right? Again, 84 billion dollar company, how much innovation? How much can they really make take and make risks here? Um, but they've lived up to that, and I think you you see really strong from the top uh, direction on what our what our principles should be. And we take those directly into our products and some of the convenience that we have, some of the products that we've launched there, it, it really, it, you know, these, these are some big swings and big hits that Sam's Club has made over the past five, 10 years, right? Um, another big one for us was, was Scan and Go. Um, that, was, that was a hackathon project in the beginning, but has become a huge differentiation for us that allows our members to skip the line um, scan products as they go, look things up within the app. Um, and, and we've been rewarded with those, with those big hits as well, right? We see that those members, um, you, you know, come to Sam's more often, uh, are happier members, higher MPS, um, buy more from us, stay with us longer. Um, so these convenience plays that we're putting in, these the sort of the leaning into tech, um, which at, at one point in Walmart's history, you know, they, they are quite tech forward now. It, it, we've, we've completely jumped into it. It was a decision whether or not when, when Amazon came along, are we going to fight them on, on their turf or not? So um, a, a real a very cool story of how you stick to product principles, how you stick to uh, what getting what your member wants and, and seeing the results from it. It's been, it's been fantastic to see over the past four or five years here. So Sam's Club is like that almost mini skunk works to kind of innovate and do these new uh, you know, in, innovative things. Have they any of those bubbled up to the, the kind of the mothership any to that? that kind of they've embraced as well or not, not yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I had the full list of me here, but I think even scan and go is a great example of, um, Walmart pay coming along and doing that. Um, there was some early work, um, that, uh, we did with computer vision that, um, had at least a little impact on what happened over there with VizPic. at the same time. I don't, I don't know exactly where every, every project pulls all of its information from. There's various stunk works throughout Walmart as well. So, um, it's just been great. Like we, you know, we have a, a CV Alliance group at meets and we talk through all the computer vision projects that we're working on, all the things we're trying to do. Cause you imagine a company the size of Walmart, you get siloed and you, and you end up redoing a lot of the work together, which can be powerful when, when one team has figured out when one team hasn't, but you don't want 10 teams or 15 teams working on the same thing. So um, it's been great to go to those and take ideas from across Walmart, across Sam's and, and build that up and bring it back to the group. That's amazing. And you mentioned a lot of technological innovation. So I wanted to just maybe 
We've been talking about AI actually quite a bit. We've even mentioned it uh, right here talking with you, but um, you guys are already playing with computer vision and other things. And obviously the latest and greatest is generative AI, ML and things like that. Are there anything maybe that you can give us a, a little bit of a hint of, you know, how are you guys thinking about it, how you're bringing it to uh, to Sam's club? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of different ways to think about AI. I think we're all going to get surprised by the ways that it gets used. Um, one of the frameworks that I use is, is thinking about it as an external facing tool or an internal facing tool. Um, and both of those are going to become very important. Um, but I'm really excited about what the internal facing tools can look like personally. What, what can a product manager do with their generative AI to make themselves more efficient, have better outcomes? I'm thinking about things like, um, you know, automating A-B testing, having it generate different flows and forms for us. Um, creating test cases and, and running through those for us. Um, you're, I think you're going to see innovation on both sides of it. And we have some awesome things we can do with item file that will be member and customer facing for Sam's and Walmart. That, that'll be a fantastic use of AI. Um, but I think what, what we really need to focus on is it's not quite there yet, right? We can't just ask generative AI, go do all these things for us with one sentence prompt. We, I think we all see the vision and there's going to be, you know, whether it's more computing power or another model that's more efficient, or, or probably both, we're going to get there at some point. But right now, how do we get our, our toes wet? How do we get sort of everyone at Sam's and Walmart thinking about how to use this in the future, but also deliver value on it? So the way I think about that is how do we how do we do some things through generative AI? We have some feedback that our product managers have or our analytics team has, and step through things and really focus on the easier use cases, even if it's not the the big awesome thing yet. I think when you look at any technology that's come along that that has gone through the hype cycle, come off it and then actually delivered, right? Like, you know, integrated chips, for instance, right? There's just some time period where it wasn't quite viable yet. Like it, the scale wasn't there. The technology wasn't quite there. And we're just there, right, with AI. It's going to come faster probably than anything before it. But we're in that waiting period. I don't know if it's going to be six months or three years, but it's coming, so... Then. So speaking of things maybe coming, maybe things on fire, we wanted to switch into our segment called PM Power Move. Powering up. Power Move. Now, this is just something where we want to now drill into your day-to-day, -day, maybe some particular event or challenge that you faced um, where you really needed to apply all the tools, all the skills you have as a product manager to get past it. Uh, is there something there that, um, that you've experienced that you want to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, hopefully not on a daily basis, but I, I deal with a lot of, of fires, right? Um, when, when something goes wrong, I get brought in and, um, stepping in that fire, stepping into that foxhole, it, you know, it's still Dickens code it, quote, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right? Um, you're, if you do it correctly, you're going to build camaraderie with the team. You're going to have a great outcome. You're going to save the day. If, if there's dysfunction, you're going to cause, a, a, you know, the opposite of trust and these sort of problems, um, that come out of getting things done, right. That's not always the right structure. Um, so what I, what I, what I push myself on, what I push the team on is when you're in those moments where everything seems like it's on fire, how do you, how do you push on the fundamentals in those moments, Right. How do you make sure you're building trust with the team instead of destroying trust? And how do you make sure that you're building the right process in that moment that that builds through everything else? Um, I re I'm reminded of a, a project that I worked on um, back in, in 2020 for, for COVID. Um, when COVID hit our, our clubs, um, 
our associates um, were asked to uh, scan their temperature and give a series of health questions to make sure that everyone was safe. So we were protecting our, our fellow associates and our fellow members. Um, and part of that process was that we had to have a manager come to the door every time an associate came in, ask those questions, take a temperature. Um, so it was taking up time from our associates, taking up time from our members. It was, it was human contact that we didn't want. Um, so we started evaluating a bunch of uh, different companies uh, for different technologies that were kind of these fly by night, we can give you a tablet, it can take a temperature, it uses a, you know, infrared monitor, all these kind of, I was getting emails from, you know, at gmail.com addresses, people were just trying to trying to make this happen really quickly. Um, and in that moment, you know, the team that got thrown together on our side, again, we had another experienced team working there. We, we didn't know the space, we didn't know exactly what we were looking for. Um, we knew there was going to be some some sort of hardware solution part of this. And we, we had, hadn't done hardware before. Um, in that moment, that was that was sort of our foxhole. We needed we needed a solution yesterday, um, and we were you know we had to come together and make that happen. Yeah, I think that you, you hit a, a common thread we hear a lot in this podcast is those who the PMs wear many different hats, and and sometimes when you get into these uh, escalations, these fire drills, these that you're gonna have to put on different hats very quickly. Uh, like you didn't know hardware, we had to figure out hardware. I mean, I think we're in situations where, you know, you know, we have to deal with a fire and we're you know, talking with the customer and trying to you know, manage the, the relationship there to talking to the engineers, maybe coming up with design on the fly. So there's a lot of that innovation that comes out of the fire. But I guess a, a question I have for you though is, uh, and one thing, you know, I think a lot of teams challenge are challenged with is when they're in the fire, how do you, how do you, how do you, well, actually no, how do you balance the, the escalations in the fire, but also then your overall plan and roadmap and how do you kind of judge which ones gets priority? What's that kind of process you have to kind of get people back in the roadmap, get back into the overvision, not stuck into a kind of a foxhole, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I come from the school of thought that everyone is irrational and um, uh, a rational player and everyone understands the, the greater good in a situation. Uh, for my, for me, it's about any, anytime you have strife, it's really a communication problem. So how do you put together the, the pros and cons of going with this versus that? How do you get across the trade-offs, the, the value of going this direction or that direction? Um, and that, you know, that comes back to not just sort of the foxhole, but you know, how do you prioritize your tech debt versus a new feature, right? Um, and it, it's, I think, ultra important in that foxhole because that, that, um, that process is what everyone learns in that moment. How did, how did we become an effective team? What was it done? And you don't want someone to come out of that saying, oh, that was effective because I found my voice and I pushed things through and I, you know, I was the winner there. It needs to be, we came together, there was clear communication. I, I gave my 20% and everyone gave their 20% and we got sort of the, no one's super happy, but we all got the, what was best for the, for the member, for the associate, you know, whoever, whoever may have been on that project. The reality is that in any fire, there, it's not that you have to be on every minute, right? There's going to be you're waking up in the morning and having your coffee, and you can think through things a little bit. Uh, and with the, I think it was Eisenhower or the, the the two by two matrix of what's important and what's what's urgent, um, or what, what's valuable and what's urgent. And as long as you're looking at that, hey, it's not urgent but it's valuable box every morning, um, and saying, hey, what do I want to bring to the conversation today? Even if it is a foxhole, even if it is a fire. Um, you're going to be better off for that. So just finding your moment of, I'm, I'm going to step out of this foxhole for a second, reevaluate, and then step back in with that clarity. 
What's really valuable, I think, that I'm, I'm picking out here is, one, you're focusing on process, even if there's a lot of tension and, you know, obviously uh, maybe urgency and, and value that, that that's driving all this stuff. But it's a process that's then uh, team-based and reproducible, right? So folks can actually learn from all this and reproduce that to a great effect anytime these things happen again. Because frequently these fires aren't just one-offs, right? There's probably going to be another one. Uh, sometime uh, soon, and maybe a different team will will assemble. And the question is, you know, how do you solve that? And if folks see a very successful process for solving that, they'll much quicker apply it and resolve it again. So, so having that process, uh, you know, fine tuned and and standing by, right? So everybody just understands what to do, what the roles are, how they pitch in, how the team works under pressure. Well, uh, with the things you said, communication and you know, issue resolution and being able to also come in and out, right, and and share these things. That's a, that's a great way to make a sustainable way of dealing with these things uh, when they happen. It's great insight. I think the other way to to. Uh, Moving to our segment four, I think it's another foxhole. What do you want to do? Let's do it. No. No. Maybe. Yes. You're in the foxhole. You have to make a quick decision. Prioritization frameworks in place. The team's in place. Will you ship it or skip it? So will you bring it to market, this product, or will you skip it and make sure no one hears about it ever again? All right. All right. I'm ready. First one, a quiet pickleball. Ship it. Definitely. Okay. I think yeah, I think your point before, it's a gap right now in the market. Anyone's listening out there? Ben's gonna have a quiet pickleball out there and he's gonna try it out. So that's good. Uh, the second one, uh, you did talk about there are kind of two versions, paddle ball, uh, the paddle one in London and the pickleball in the US. What about a like a world series between the two? Would that work? Interesting. And how how are you thinking? There's a sort of you play a game over here and a game over there. I, it's either like the, the top players from the you know from one side of the pond versus the other side of the pond, and they they play together and see what happens. Would I that like work, the, Kyle? I'm shipping that. I'm a big wow. World, World Cup fan. I, World, I love countries getting World, together. That's great. All right, all right. So we're 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 doing good here. Now the last one. I just saw this and I thought it was interesting. But you know how those big screen TVs that they have? You can have it now foldable. So like, you know, so like a, like a 72-inch screen, foldable large screen TV. Will you ship it or would you skip it? I'm struggling with the use case on this one. You bring that I on vacation to an Airbnb that doesn't have a TV at it. You bring that to the beach. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna skip this because I don't want people bringing a foldable TV to the beach. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't understand the why for it. I mean, it looked cool. It was cool to see it kind of fold into the wall, uh, fold into the the floor or the, the the counter. But I didn't quite understand why you needed it. Maybe it just I don't know. But I I was struggling with it, but it looked cool. So is someone going to buy it? I think the answer to that is yes. So. I'm sure there's someone going to buy it. So someone will pick up that and and run with it. But you're saying not 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 with you. Skip it. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple in. Um, ben, how about a completely automated self-checkout? Um, do you think that will ever just be de facto the only way to to shop? I'm going to ship it with a caveat, which is I want the human interaction, and I think everyone does. So we'll have to, we'll have to adapt with that and figure out where that happens, hopefully kind of during your shopping experience or at the door. But um, I, I want convenience and friction, 
but I want it to be a human experience. Got it. Got it. So maybe it's going back to that iteration, like you said, with the fully automated forklifts, right? Where yes, automation, but then there's still some you know person in the middle that provides that interaction, right? I, I love having the, the the personal checkout experience so they can judge me and all the things I'm putting on my cart and saying, are you really eating that? I'm like, yes, I'm eating all that. Oh, it's, it's for your children, for Kyle. It was fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I know there's a lot of candy. I know it's bad for me. Stop judging. Cool. And the uh, last one I had for you was, uh, and, and we've talked about it obviously already, is AI. Where, where, where are you? What do you think? I feel like I've shipped too many of these, but uh, I think we need the first, yeah, ship it. We need the first use case. It needs to be the MVP, which is viable, minimum viable product. What's the smallest little thing we can do with it, with AI first? Um, but it's coming. We got to get used to Got using it. it. Not not all hype. This is real. This is this is going to stay, and we'll iterate. Keep people in the middle to check, as you said now multiple times. Awesome. Well, very good. Excellent. Uh, any any uh, final uh, notes, uh, Ben? Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you so far. No, it's great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate uh, all the questions and, and talking through all this. Sure. Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. Thank you, Pat, as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. And again, we look forward to keeping up with you. See how many foxholes you've, uh, you've been in <laughs> if we check in with you again. And let's see how many iterations you've been able to do. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, guys. I think that was a great conversation with Ben. I think, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm not a big um, pickleball fan. So uh, I'm from the tennis world. So I was like, I want to hear about it, but I also don't like you taking my courts. Uh, but I did like his uh, uh, you know, take on the inventory uh, scanning robot, kind of the genesis of it. I thought that was interesting where, you know, his bosses, his bosses were in, in, in Sam's club. And they're like, someone comes up and goes, Where's the Nutella? And they're all like, we don't know. <laughs> so, you know, the, the innovation came out of just like, hey, it's it's a prop for our customers to find certain products that's come up with a better solution. And and I like the fact that, you know, Sims Club is like this innovative hub, that skunk work place where they can innovate and try different things and, you know, experiment with something, experiment with this robot, give it different names. You know, I'm, I'm glad every where you know, everyone has its own where I'll, uh, a name to kind of match to the personality of that, of that location, which was great. Um, you know, the, con- the, the conversation when he's about, you know, being in the foxhole and lots of fires. I mean, that's typical, you know, typical PM one one and being able to have a framework and process to kind of handle and using the team and communication to, to kind of drive through clarity, uh, make sure you don't spend your whole time there, but knowing that, you know, it's valuable to get those things done, but also knowing that you have to, look at the other pieces and innovate on other parts and not just spend your time in a, in a foxhole. Um, I think that was, that was it. That was a good, lot of, you know, getting all the generative AI conversations. Great. I think he has a pretty good vision of it. I think that external internal views is a, is a good way of looking at it, but yeah, overall it was a great conversation. what do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, obviously, uh, perhaps the whole school bit for, for pickleball is a little bit of exaggeration, but I, I am actually keen on the game. It's, um, uh, very inclusive. It, it's not, 
I mean, you can make it as athletic as you need to be. So it can really pull in a lot of folks. And I think that's where the popularity stems and obviously pretty, pretty easy to get into. Uh, plus all the things we've mentioned. So we'll see where, where Ben goes. I, I wish him the best in the World Series <laughs> when yeah, that comes right. around. Right. Uh, but uh, the, the real exciting thing that I got out of it, um, was just a, the combination of technology and actually being able to roll it out to such a broad market. Right. Um, and, and making it so that it actually works. I mean, there's one thing about talking about AI or creating a robot, et cetera, and another thing to actually put it into the many locations at Sam's Club and, and have it actually work and be valuable. I mean, how many times that technology gets put somewhere and just never gets used um, for whatever reason, right? It just doesn't solve anything. So having something that's operational and it actually works. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is just being able to work on such projects. I mean, and that's not the only one he's been uh, working on, uh, you know, when uh, the issue presented itself with COVID, right? He was able to jump in and actually help out and put together um, uh, hardware and the process for for checking associates and and members in uh, and just being able to be part of the team, make that happen with technology and that particular case, build it themselves. Uh, and I think you mentioned that you know these are things that then eventually even roll up to uh, Walmart itself, which uh, Sam's Club is part of. So really amazing innovation and and being challenged as a PM to do these different things. It's just, again, some of the things that, that we get to do as product managers that, you know, makes makes this job amazing, right? But but you got to be able to to get in there uh, and work with the team and, and challenge yourself, uh, persevere and and, uh, and overcome as it were. Interesting to hear about the iteration. I think that addresses some of the AI issues, right? Like, how do you trust it? Uh, and so Ben mentioned putting a, a person in the middle to kind of check when things get, get rough or, or not quite right and being able to check it is a, is a very good way to onboard AI on its way to, to generate outcomes and value for us. So really interesting insights. Very much enjoyed talking with Ben and, and look forward to catching up with him at some other time, see how, how things are going. Yeah, and I think if he does make that quiet pickleball, we get a cut from the the, the profits. Because First of all, and I'm I'm all in on quiet pickleball. Yeah, it is I think loud. Be a good idea. <laughs> Awesome. Great episode. Well, and that's the wrap for, for this particular episode. Again, everyone, be sure to hit the subscribe button and uh, tune in for our next episode. Thank you so much. 